Welcome back to Lethal. Let's talk about death row inmates. This week, I'll be covering a California death row inmate. This week, I'll be covering a California death row inmate. I'll be covering Randy S. Kraft. You may know him as the freeway killer, the scoreboard killer, or the Southern California strangler. He is a known serial killer that has anywhere from 16 to 67 victims. Before we jump into the case, let's go over some facts. Let's talk about death row executions in the U.S. for 2021. Three federal death row inmates were executed in January. One Ohio death row inmate was reprieved, which means the date was postponed most likely to COVID. And one Texas death row inmate and one Ohio death row inmate were stayed. This means the execution is temporarily suspended. This could be done by looking into the case further or to check the mental status of an inmate. So I wanted to keep the background pretty short this week because we have a pretty long case. So let's get into it. So once again, I have a glass of wine and I'm ready to jump into the case. This week I'll be covering inmate number E38700, Randy S. Kraft. He is currently 75 years old and is serving at the San Quentin State Prison. So if you're new, I write to death row inmates and I've written to Randy Kraft before. I've not heard back, so I decided to write him again. So I did send out two death row inmate letters this week, and I will be giving y'all a mini episode either next week or the following week with um, an updated status regarding death row inmate letters that I received and who I've sent letters to. Randy was born in Long Beach, California on March 19, 1945. His mother was Opal Lee, and his father was Harold Kraft. He attended Claremont Men's College. In college, Randy was enrolled in ROTC. He was an A student, but by his senior year, his life started to take a turn. He started to drink, take drugs, and he started to gamble. After graduating college, Randy joined the U.S. Air Force. He did his basic training in Texas and was then stationed to Edwards Air Force Base in Southern California. In the Air Force, Randy's rank was Airman First Class and Supervisor Manager. The same year, Randy came out to his parents as homosexual. He tried to give them subtle hints about his sexuality in college, but his parents did not pick up on anything. When Randy came out to his parents, his father was enraged and his mother understood but did not approve of his lifestyle. And by this time, he started to distance himself from his family. July 26, 1969, Randy was discharged from the Air Force because he announced his sexuality. His official discharge was listed as medical, and Randy appealed the ground of the discharge, but the U.S. Air Force declined to change the status. Once discharged, Randy moved in with his parents and became a bartender. Okay, let's start with Randy's first known sexual assault. This case started in March 1970. Randy met a 13-year-old boy named Joseph Fancher in Huntington Beach. The boy told Randy that he was a runaway. So Randy told Joseph that if he came home with him, he would let Joseph live with him. Joseph agreed and went to Randy's apartment with him. When they got to the apartment, Joseph was drugged and assaulted. 
When Randy left his apartment, Joseph was able to escape. He was taken to the hospital and had to get his stomach pumped due to the drugs he had taken. At the hospital, Joseph notified police that Randy Kraft drugged him and beat him, but he did not tell police or his parents that he was sexually assaulted at the time. Police searched Randy's apartment, but police went in without a warrant. And on top of this, Joseph told police Randy offered him the drugs but not force him to take the drugs, so he took the drugs because he wanted to, so charges were not filed. Let's jump to 1971. Randy enrolled at Long Beach State University to further his education. During this time, Randy met Jeff Graves, a teaching student who was four years younger than him, and they started to date. Before we dive in, let me give you some information so you know what to expect. Randy is suspected of murdering 67 victims between 1971 and 1983. All victims were between 13 and 35, all males, but the majority of the victims were teenagers or males in their mid-20s. Randy has been convicted of 16 murders. Most of his victims have high levels of alcohol and drugs in their system. Before I go any further, I do want to give you a trigger warning. It is very graphic and disturbing what he would do to his victims, so I just wanted to give you all a heads up. Randy would usually persuade his victims to get in the car with him. He would offer them a free ride or alcohol, and Randy would force them to drink alcohol or do drugs while they were in the car. His victims were bound, tortured, and sexually assaulted before he would murder them. Most of the victims were strangled, were suffocated, or were beat to death. Most of the victims were also left along the freeway. Some of his victims had burns from a cigarette lighter. The marks on their body were usually around the genitals, face, and chest. And in some cases, foreign objects were left inside the victim's rectum while they were emasculated or dismembered. Emasculation is the removal of the penis and testicles. Most of his murders were committed in California, but some murder victims were from Oregon and Michigan. His murder spree is suspected to start on October 5, 1971. 30-year-old Wayne Duquette was found naked near the Ortega Highway. Wayne was a bartender at a gay bar called The Stable by Sunset Beach. He was last seen September 20th. By the time he was found, decomposition was so advanced it was difficult to ID his injuries. His cause of death was listed as acute alcohol poisoning. It is suspected that this was his first murder victim because he had a journal that was coded and the first code word was stable. And we know Wayne was a bartender at the bar, the stable. So you might be wondering, what am I talking about a coded journal? Randy kept a journal with coded names that investigators suspect is a list of his victims. On December 26, 1972, 20-year-old Edward Moore was found by 405 Freeway in Seal Beach. He was a Marine and was last seen leaving Camp Pendleton on December 24th. Edward had abrasions on his body, leading police to believe he had been thrown out of a moving vehicle. When an autopsy was performed, it indicated that his wrists and ankles were bound. He was hit numerous times in the face with a blunt object before being strangled with a chain rope scarf, wire, or fishing line. There were also bite marks found on his body and a sock was forced into his rectum. On February 6, 1973, an unidentified male was discovered by the Terminal Island Freeway in LA. This male was between the age of 17 to 25. This man was strangled with a ligature and a sock was found in his rectum, just like the last victim. 
and on April 9th, 17-year-old Kevin Bailey was found in Huntington Beach. He was emasculated and sodomized. On April 22nd, an unidentified male was found. His body was dismembered. I do want to say, if I do pronounce last names wrong, I do apologize. So on July 30th, 20-year-old Ronnie Weeby body was found by 405 Freeway. Um, he had marks on his wrists and ankles, which indicated he was bound and he was strangled. There is evidence that indicates he was also suspended from something before he was killed. On December 29, 1973, 23-year-old Vincent Mestas was found in the San Bernardino Mountains. When his body was found, his hands were cut from his body and they were never recovered. Five more victims were found by freeways. 20-year-old Malcolm Little and 19-year-old James Reeves were found by the freeway with objects forced in their bodies. 18-year-old Maureen Dickerson had bite marks on his body just like the past victims. On January 3, 1975, 17-year-old John Larris was kidnapped and murdered. He was last seen boarding a bus. At the time, he was in high school, so I don't know if he was boarding his school bus or if he was boarding a public transit bus, but he was found the next day. He was strangled like other victims, and he was found with a foreign object in his rectum. Something a little bit different about this specific victim was that there were drag marks, which indicated there were two people involved with his murder, so it is suspected that Randy did have an accomplice. January 17th, 21-year-old Craig Janidis was found in the parking lot of Golden Sail Hotel by Pacific Coast Highway. Craig was strangled with a string. By 1975, 14 murder victims had been linked to the same killer. Their bodies were found in different counties, but all the victims had a similar profile. Caucasian males with alike physical traits. When investigators put together a profile for the serial killer, they suspected the person or persons to have had a military background. This was because multiple victims were found with socks in the rectum or tissue paper in their noses, and it was suspected that this was done so it would prevent purging. On March 29, 1975, Randy lured in Keith Crotwell and Kent May into his car around Long Beach parking lot. At the time, he was driving a white and black Ford Mustang. When the teenagers got into the car, Randy gave them beer and Valium. Valium causes sleepiness and causes trouble with coordination. The parking lot where the teens were taken, a couple of their friends happened to be in the parking lot when this occurred. Randy drove his Mustang back into the parking lot, then pushed unconscious Kent May from his car, then sped off with Keith still in the car with him. On May 8th, Keith's skull was found by the Long Beach Marina. The rest of his body was found months later. The two friends that saw the white and black Mustang suspected the driver to be a regular at Belmont Shore Gay Bar. The friends drove around the area and found the distinctive Mustang and gave all the information to the police. That vehicle was traced back to Randy Kraft. On May 19, 1975, Randy was brought in for questioning for the kidnapping of Keith and Kent and for the murder of Keith. He, of course, denied ever knowing or seeing the boys. When he was pressed for answers, this is what he said. He said in March, he saw two boys in a parking lot and asked them to get in the car. He then gave them beer and Valium. He said he returned Kent to the parking lot but still had Keith in the car with him. By El Toro off-ramp, this is where multiple freeways merge, his car got stuck on an embankment. 
So he left Keith in the car and walked to a gas station to call a tow truck. And when he got back to the car, Keith was gone. Police looked into his story and they talked to Randy's roommate and he confirmed that he received a call from Randy about his car being stuck upon an embankment. Police still skeptical about him. They tried to file homicide charges against him, but the LA district attorney dismissed the request. The autopsy revealed Keith's death was caused by an accidental drowning. So you would think since this was a close call for Randy, he would try to lay low and stop murdering, but he picked his habits back up in December. On December 31st, 22-year-old Mark Hall was kidnapped. Mark was driven to a canyon and bound to a tree. His cause of death was from asphyxiation by leaves and earth found in his trachea. Mark was sodomized and emasculation was performed. His genitals were forced into his rectum. His chest, genital area, nose, cheeks, and eyes were burned with a cigarette lighter. Mark also had numerous cuts on his body caused by a broken bottle. This entire time, Randy is still dating Jeff Graves. He ended the relationship in 1976. Randy started to date a 19-year-old named Jeff Seelig. Jeff said that him and Randy would pick up hitchhikers only if they could accompany them in a threesome. Jeff also stated that Randy was not a violent man and he was never violent towards him. But it is suspected that his murder spree slowed down when he dated Jeff. He started a murder again December 10th, 1976. 19-year-old Paul Fuke was murdered, but his body was never found. His name was found in Randy's personal journal. On January 3rd, 1978, investigators came together to discuss the ongoing murders that were taking place. There was still an unidentified serial killer lurking around. At this time, there were multiple serial killers in California. Patrick Kearney was one that was arrested and he confessed to murdering 28 young men. He would dump his victims by the freeways, but he would put them in trash bags. He was also known to shoot the victims in the temple, which Randy's victims were never shot. On April 16, 1978, Randy kidnapped 18-year-old Scott Hughes. He was a Marine. Randy drugged him with volume and cut his scrotum open and removed one of his testicles. He then strangled Scott with a ligature before dumping his body by a freeway. His body was found closed and he was missing only a shoelace, which he might have used to strangle him with. On June 11th, 23-year-old Roland Young's body was found by a San Diego freeway. Roland was emasculated, then he was stabbed to death. There were abrasions on his body that indicated to investigators that his body was thrown from a moving vehicle. A couple days later, 20-year-old Marine Richard Keith's body was found. There were marks on his wrist that indicated he was bound and he was strangled with a ligature like the other victims. On July 6, 23-year-old Keith Klingbeal was murdered. His body was dumped by the Interstate 5 freeway. He was a hitchhiker picked up by Randy. A large dose of drugs and alcohol was found in his system. He was strangled with his own shoelace. There was also a cigarette lighter burn on his nipple. Keith was actually found still alive, but by the time he made it to the hospital, he passed away. And on September 29th, 20-year-old Richard Crosby was found by Highway 71 in San Bernardino County. The last time he was seen was hitchhiking home from a movie theater. He died from suffocation and one of his nipples was also burned with a cigarette lighter. 
21-year-old Michael Ender Beaton was found by San Diego Freeway November 18, 1978. His body was castrated. A foreign object was inserted in his body, and he was also burned with a cigarette lighter. He died by suffocation. And on June 16, 1979, 20-year-old Donnie Crisell was kidnapped. He was also a Marine. He was found on the 405 freeway. This mark, The marks on his body indicated that he was thrown from a moving vehicle. He had marks on his body that indicated he was bound and he had burns on his body. His cause of death was acute alcohol poisoning. On August 29th, an unidentified man was found behind a gas station called Union 76. His body was dismembered and placed in trash bags. A sock was found in his rectum. This is suspected to be Randy's victim because in his journal, he had written the number 76. And police figured it meant Union 76. And on September 14th, 20-year-old Gregory Jolly was found. He was dismembered and emasculated. Later on, we'll find out that his stuff was found at Randy's house. November 24, 1979, 15-year-old Jeffrey Sayre was kidnapped and murdered. He was last seen at a bus stop in Westminster, leaving a date. This is suspected to be Randy's victim because his journal stated Westminster date. And on February 18, 1980, 19-year-old Mark Marsh was found by Templin Highway. He was a Marine as well. He was found decapitated, meaning he was beheaded, and his hands were also cut off of his body. Now, Randy goes to Oregon and starts to find victims in another state. He was sent to Oregon for work, and during his trips, he was known to murder multiple victims. His first victim was in Portland, Oregon. This victim was 17-year-old Michael O'Fallon. He was murdered July 17th. He was given Valium and alcohol, and he was hogtied, meaning his limbs were tied together, and he was strangled to death. The next day, Randy is suspected to have murdered a man between the ages of 35 and 45. His body was found by a freeway. The victim was found with a high level of Valium and Tylenol before he was strangled to death. Randy wrote Portland and Portland Elk in his journal regarding these victims. Randy was back in Cali, and on September 3rd, 19-year-old Robert Loggins was found by the El Toro Marine Air Base. Pictures were found in Randy's house with Robert looking completely intoxicated or drugged on the sofa. He was placed in different positions and pictures were taken of him. It is unknown if Robert was alive or dead when the pictures were taken. April 10, 1981, 17-year-old Michael Cluck was found by the Interstate 5 freeway. This is near Oregon's border. He was kidnapped and beaten to death. He had at least 30 blows to the head and his body was kicked. Michael was also sodomized. When Michael was discovered, there was a lot of blood found at the scene. And in Randy's journal, Portland blood was labeled and investigators believe this is who he was talking about. Around this time, Randy actually went to the hospital for a bruised foot. On October 20th, 17-year-old Christopher Williams was found in the San Bernardino Mountains. He was drugged with numerous drugs and paper was found pushed in his nose. He choked to death. Around this time, Randy and Jeff started to have relationship problems, so they started weekly counseling sessions on June 22, 1982. 
and on July 29, 1982, 14-year-old Raymond Davis was found by the Rampart Boulevard. He was last seen in Echo Park looking for his dog on June 17. When his body was found, his hands were tied behind his back and he was strangled with his own shoelace. Randy wrote dog in his journal and this is the expected victim. A couple feet from Raymond's body, they found 16-year-old Robert Avila's body. He was strangled with a stereo wire. And on November 1st, 1982, 24-year-old Arnie Lane was kidnapped and murdered. His body was found January 1984. A couple weeks later, 26-year-old Brian Witcher was found by Interstate 5. The wounds on his body indicated he was thrown from a moving car. There were also high levels of alcohol and volume in his system. On December 3, 1982, 29-year-old Anthony Silvira went missing when he was hitchhiking. When his body was discovered, he was sodomized, assaulted with a foreign object, and strangled. During this time, Randy was seen wearing a jacket with the name Silvira on it. A couple days later, Randy flew to Michigan for business. Randy met Dennis Alt and Chris Schoenborn at a seminar. He was seen talking to the men at the Amway Grand Plaza Hotel reception area. Their bodies were found December 9th by the hotel. The two men both had alcohol and volume in their systems. They were sodomized and placed in unique positions. Dennis died by asphyxiation and Christopher died by strangulation from his belt. A pin was also forced in Chris's urethra. On December 8th, Randy traveled to Portland. He murdered 19-year-old Lance Tags. This victim had alcohol and volume in his system. He died by suffocation and a sock was forced into the victim's throat. And on January 27, 1983, Randy kidnapped 21-year-old Eric Church. His body was found by I-605. Alcohol and volume were found in his system. He was sodomized. He had rope burns on his wrist, indicated he was bound. He was strangled and had blunt trauma to the head. Randy killed two more men on February 12, 18-year-old Geoffrey Nelson and 20-year-old Roger Duvall. Joffrey was found naked by the Garden Grove Freeway. He was strangled, emasculated, and marks on his body indicated he was thrown from a moving car. Roger was found by Mount Baldy. He had marks on his body that indicated he was bound, sodomized, and he was strangled to death. The two had alcohol and drugs in their system. Now, this is what we have all been waiting for. On May 14, 1983, Randy Kraft was stopped on Interstate 5 because he was driving erratically. He failed a sobriety test and was arrested for driving while intoxicated. The officer saw a man in the passenger seat. They approached his side of the car and tried to wake the man up. They knocked on his door, they opened the door, and the man had no pulse and his body temperature was low. He was dead. There was a mark on his neck, his pants were unbuttoned and pulled down to his knees, and the man's wrists were bound with a shoelace. This was 25-year-old Terry Gambrel. He was a 25-year-old Marine. When police searched the car, drugs, alcohol, and blood were found in the car, but there were no open wounds from Terry. An envelope of pictures was found in the car. Most of the men looked dead or asleep in the pictures, and in the trunk, officers found a book of coded writing. Police then searched Randy's house, and they found clothing and other possessions of young men. 
So how did Randy get his nicknames? He was nicknamed the Scorecard Killer because investigators found a cryptid coded list that referred to his victims. The list with code names had 61 phrases, which is suspected to be each victim. 67 victim remains are unidentified and unrecovered. He was also called the Freeway Killer and this is because a lot of his victims were found by the freeways. On March 16, 1983, Randy was charged with Terry Gambrell's murder, and on September 8th, he was charged with 15 murders. August 11, 1989, Randy Kraft was found guilty and given a death verdict. He is currently serving at the San Quentin State Prison in California. So what do you think? Did he have an accomplice or was he able to murder all of those men by himself? Let me know what you think. It is suspected that his old boyfriend, Jeff Graves, could have been an accomplice for some of the murders. And another man named Bob Jackson came forward and confessed to murdering two hitchhikers with Randy. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to subscribe and please rate and review on Apple Podcast. Go follow my Insta and Twitter and TikTok at lethal underscore podcast. I do post a new death row fact every day. Please feel free to also shoot me an email at lethal.tcpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to tune in next Wednesday for a new case and a new inmate. I'll be covering a new death row inmate in a new state. All the information used in my podcast came from the following sources, cdcr.ca.gov, Murderpedia, and Wikipedia. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.